you. Thank you for coming out. And I know what motivated you to come out. Because Danny said, if you don't come out, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, nobody wanted anything bad to happen to him. I need to use that more often. Look how it worked. You don't come to prayer meeting Wednesday night, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to backfire on me. All my technology's not going to work. But we're so thankful. We've been blessed already. Can you say amen? And um, I know that whatever the Lord does and whatever the Lord is in, there's a purpose. It's kind of like a mile marker. You pass a mile marker, but it's just one of the, one of the indicators in where your journey is going to become a destiny. So each one of us is here for seeing where God is leading Tanya. And I learned by going on the internet how to pronounce her name more correctly. Markiel. Am I saying that correctly? I kept saying Marashal, but it's Markiel. And she was so kind not to correct me publicly. But it's Markiel. And she'll let you know more about the origin of it, family and all. But I thank the Lord. Thank you, blessings, for blessing us this morning. Can we all say amen? amen. And, um, and then she opened the door for another woman of God who is on a journey. She'll tell you about her background, how God is leading her, and whatever the Lord brings to her heart, I know will be a blessing to us. But let's invite the Lord's presence to continue with us. Gracious, loving Father in heaven, your ways are past finding out. We don't often know. You've never told us. You've never sent us a schedule and say, if you approve this, I'll do this for you. You are so far ahead of us that one day we're going to see that when we have finally realized how you have blessed us, how you have prevented tragedy, how you have opened doors for us, when we get to the kingdom, we're going to say, Lord, I didn't know that was you, but now I know. So the purposes, Lord, for which blessings and Tanya have come will yet to be understood to us but we know, as you've said, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Each one of us is in a journey. And we know that as the 23rd Psalm says, your intention for our journey is that we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I don't know where each one of us is. We may be by that still water. We may be in the green valleys. We may be standing where you are blessing us in the table in the presence of our enemies. We may be in the valley of shadows. But thank you for giving us the good ending that when it's done, we will be in the house of the Lord forever. I pray that you'll speak through your maidservant, Tanya, Mark Eall, as you've done this morning through Blessings Win. And what we receive, help us to know what to do with it. But may you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Now, we're not going to pick up an offering. You know, that's when I was growing up, every event we had in church, they'd always pick up an offering. And I used to always say, man, all the churches in New York broke. This is not an offering because Tanya's life is an offering to the Lord. So without further ado, I'd like to give a warm Thompsonville, Southern Illinois, surrounded by grass. Welcome to Tanya Marshall. Let's welcome her. 
Well, I cannot pray any better than what we just did. But because I am so grateful from where I am, I am also going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you. I thank you for not only my blessings, but my turmoils, Father. I thank you that you have given me the ability to overcome through you. I thank you that for the first time since 2014, I am sharing my story to this amazing congregation. I thank you, Father, that you order my steps and that you bless me through everyone here and bless them through my testimony. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. So, I'm going to do a little interactive, and I will get to my story really quickly. But when I, if I was to ask you, who are you? Could you tell me? Child of God, that's a good one. How many people would say I'm a mother or a father? How many people would tell me what you do for a living? That is not who you are, right? You were blessed with children, and you have an amazing job, or you have, you know, I love bulls, we're going to get there, right? I have bucking bulls that are in the world finals next weekend, so y'all need to be praying for me. But those are things that I love. Who I am is an overcomer. I am an overcomer through Christ. I am a determined, refuse to quit, never stop overcomer through Christ, right? And that is who you are too. So your job does not determine who you are. Your parenting skills or what you have to do on a day-to-day basis does not determine who you are. God has already determined who we are. And I'm going to give you some quick scriptures where you understand where I'm coming from. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And I gave you the teaser and I'll tell you how I got there. But prison was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I am grateful for the horrible U.S. attorneys that put me there, (laughs) right? And I am grateful for understanding that I was so much more than the superficial decisions I was making to be someone in this world, right? Um, Another one says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thank God, right? Literally, thank God that we are new creatures. I, from a very, very, very young age, was determined. I can remember going out to a football field. My dad was a football coach. I, can go, I remember going out to a football field and running with my brother who was nine years older than me and I wouldn't quit until I beat him, which of course I never did, but I tried, right? (laughs) Um, My mom would tell me, and I think this is so important, and I am not a human parent, I am an animal parent, but (laughs) um, my mom would tell me I could do anything I set my mind to. 
There was nothing. If you would have told me I couldn't jump over a car, I would go try to prove to you that I could, right? Because I grew up with such a strong family unit between my brother and my sister and my mom and my dad. I am so blessed to have grown up the way that I grew up, knowing that I could do anything. And yet, my brother played in the NFL, and my sister is a doctor, and I wanted to be not their little sister. So I moved to Arizona on a whim. And I was a cart girl at a golf course, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had played volleyball at Indiana University, and I had gone to Italy, and I had played volleyball, and that's all great and dandy, but you know, real life starts at some point, right? And uh, I had no clue. I had a degree in telecommunications in Italian, and I don't know what you do with those degrees. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I played volleyball. Um, when I was on the golf, cart, golf course, the brakes went out on the golf cart, and this was in 2000, and it ran over my left leg. And the first thing you do when a cart is tipping is put your leg down. Well, this wasn't a golf cart. This was the candy shack cart, right? So it was much heavier than a golf cart. And I kept trying to pull my leg out. Well, as I'm pulling my leg out of this cart, all I'm doing is severing everything that's under there, right? And I would not scream for help because my pride would not allow me to think that I couldn't do this by myself. And finally, when I realized I was really stuck, I shouted for help and a couple of golfers saw me and came over and they pushed the cart off of me and they told me not to move and I thought I had a broken bone. And lo and behold, unbeknownst to me, I had ripped every ten tendon, every everything off of my leg. So when the paramedics got there, I remember calling my mom and saying, I got to go to the hospital. I think I need some stitches. I mean, this is how your mind works, right? You're not hurt. You're never hurt. So um, she said, okay, I'm flying down because they were in Colorado. And I get to the hospital and they tell me they have to amputate my leg. This is a real leg. <laughs> okay, God is good. Um, I remember being in pain. I was in the hospital for almost six months. My mom and my dad literally had to shower me because I couldn't put my leg below my heart because they had created new blood vessels in my leg. And if I did, they would burst and I would lose my leg. They told me I would never run. Well, remember, I'm a former athlete, right? So as soon as I got well, I went out and ran the New York Marathon because that's what you do, right? God forbid somebody tell you you can't because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? So I went out and ran the New York Marathon. Turmoil, yes. Life-changing, yes. I studied for my real estate exam when I was in the hospital. And my grandfather was a real estate mogul in Las Vegas, and he was a very large part of the casinos in Las Vegas. And so I had that background, but I was not close to him to learn from him. So I just learned real estate in the hospital. And when I got out, I took my test. And again, and you guys are going to see the theme, right? I wanted to do it on my own. Now, let me back up just a second. I was prayed for in the womb. I have been blood-bought 
from the day that I was conceived, right? There is no reason for me to think I need to do everything on my own, except for my pride, right? So that's not hard for me to say now, but if you would ask me that 15 years ago, pride, what pride? Because we don't see our own faults when we're in the midst of them. So we have to pray that the Holy Spirit reveals them to us, right? And then we have to be wise enough to listen. And then we have to be humble enough to understand that we are going to have to change. Otherwise, God will continue to pluck you and put you places to sit you down. You see where I'm coming from. So... I was an athlete, I was friends with athletes. I went out and I decided that I was going to change the NFL in the way that they think about investing in real estate, which I did. And in the midst of it, I created a program for the NFL where they learned how to create passive income by buying rental properties. And that transcended into the NBA and Major League Baseball and I became that person. Um, I was on... Let's see. Let's see what our first one is, right? This was far too many years ago when I didn't have wrinkles and there was no stress in my life. (laughs) And they didn't have filters, so that was actually no wrinkles. (laughs) But this is actually Fox News. I had my own show on HGTV. I was flying around the country on private jets. I had 385-pound dogs that were Italian Mastiffs that are still my heart today. But everything was big. Everything was grand. Nothing could just be humble. But if you asked me back then, I would have told you that I was humble and that, that it's all a blessing, which it was. I just didn't realize how much I enjoyed it. And so it needed to be taken away, but I couldn't see it coming. Right? So... When I was on this, I wrote a book called The Prosperity Principles. It was, um, I don't know if those are coming up. Oh, I'm sorry, you guys. (laughs) I thought he was doing it. I'm so sorry. So this was the picture without wrinkles. Now you could actually see it. Uh, This was Fox News. Uh, This was a private jet that I took off, and that was an ad for a very large designer. And that was my dog that was 185 pounds who was by my side all the time. This was my book called The Prosperity Principles, and it was five principles, and it started with decision-making. And although I could teach people how to make decisions, and I thought I was making good ones, boy, was I making poor ones, right? And you, again, you don't realize because you think you're doing everything right. So HGTV, I did a show called Bang for Your Buck, where you go into houses and They've remodeled, and you get to tell them, oh, that's going to make you money, and that may not, right? So we have a little clip from HGTV, I think. Maybe. So walking up here, there was a lot of houses that looked very similar, but one is different from all the rest. (laughs) Different is the key word. Wow. What does the master bedroom look like? Buyers are going to think that's overwhelming. An accent wall here or there with that stone crate. 
That's just a lot of stone. But I love the door that goes right outside. It gives it that good indoor-outdoor feel. Buyers are gonna love that. My buyers are going to hate the fact that there is no door. <laughs> I loved what I did. I didn't just um, sell houses. I researched the market. So as I was doing HGTV, Fox News saw me, and uh, I was in Toronto at the time, and they called, and I picked it up. It was a 917 phone number, and they said, we want to feature you on Varney and Company. It was Fox Business. And I said, okay, no problem, I'll fly in. And they said, no, 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 if you miss, we'll get you a studio in Toronto, because if you miss this, we'll never have you back. And I said, there is an airport across the street, I will be there. And I was supposed to be on that night. And I think we have a clip. This is CNBC. So as always, one thing transcends into another. A producer ends up moving. They want to take you with them. So I ended up doing three stations at once. I think we're going to watch some clips. But the greatest thing is they were all mad at each other because they all wanted exclusivity. And I wouldn't give it to any of them because I was just having too much fun. So this is a clip from uh, CNBC. If that goes by the wayside or if it's modified in some way. Joining us is Tanya, uh, Tanya Markial, the president of Team Investments. Fred Glick, the president of U.S. Loans Mortgage and a licensed realtor and mortgage broker will join us in a moment on this very important issue. Tanya, what do you think would happen? I mean, you deal with clients across a range of income levels, eliminating or reducing mortgage interest deduction. What effect would that have? on homeownership in this country, do you think? Eliminating the mortgage deduction will absolutely not increase revenue. What it will do is it will cut consumers. And I, I think we have one from CNN. So this was me running uh, the New York Marathon right after Sandy. Uh, that marathon, I had done it once before as a celebrity runner. And the marathon during Sandy got... Uh, canceled because of Sandy, and so I went and worked at an animal shelter. Joining me now, celebrity runner Tanya Markiel from HGTV's uh, Bang for Your Buck. Uh, Tanya, good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. So you traveled from far and wide as well. She traveled <laughs> from the Philippines. You traveled from, was it Arizona? Arizona, yes. Okay, you traveled from Arizona uh, to make it to uh, the New York City Marathon only to find out that it was canceled. And so how disappointed uh, were you? Honestly, if this was causing dissension with the residents of New York City, Bloomberg mm. did the right thing. He should have done it a little bit earlier. People were losing their lives. Uh, people don't have power. They're afraid of freezing. This is something that this race brings the city together. It should not cause dissension. So that's one thing that I think mm. he really made the right decision by canceling it and really sending those resources to the people that truly need them. And so now I understand and and then uh, the station I was on the most, I flew, I flew out of Arizona. I was living in Arizona at the time. I'm in Colorado now. But the station I was on the most was Fox. And I flew out every Sunday night. And I was in New York City Monday and Tuesday. And I would fly home Tuesday night. And I did that for almost 10 years. So this is a clip from Fox. And now we have over 13,000 homes 
sitting in some type of foreclosure, and there's only 2,000 homes on the market. Tanya, you know, an interesting story that I read this morning about one individual in particular. They had been foreclosed on, right? Oh, there you are. You just popped up your picture. That's awesome. <laughs> he, he's been in foreclosure for four years, right? So he hasn't been making a mortgage payment for a long time. In the meantime, he's been saving up for his next house. So he has all this money accumulated, no penalties. That's no way to run a market, is it? That is criminal. The fact that he's living for free, basically on taxpayer dollars, because we bailed out the bank, and is going out and going to go buy another home, probably for cash, because he's saved a substantial amount of money, is ridiculous. Talk about working the system. Right? So I was, as you can tell, I'm not really a sugar coater. <laughs> God never sugarcoated anything with me. I just feel like I can do the same, right? <laughs> um, so this was, again, Fox News. I would do it a couple times a week, and I loved it. I knew if the stock market did A, the real estate market would do B. If the real estate market did you know, C, stock market was going to do D. I mean, I loved it. It was truly my passion after volleyball, because volleyball was my first passion Real estate was truly my second. But like anything, again, just clips from Fox News over the years, we're going to get to my bulls. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I'll leave that up there. Um, but what happens when you build your house on sand? Hmm. Right. So I could tell you how to do it. And I can make a lot of money doing it myself. And I worked very hard. But I wasn't paying attention to the books. I wasn't paying attention to who was stealing from me. I wasn't paying attention to what was being said behind my back. I know the other night on Bible study, I think it was two Wednesdays ago, we were talking about the armor of God. And I shared one of the things that I learned in Bible college. Our front is protected, right? We put on toes to the helmet, protected. What's going on in your back? Right? You need to cloak yourself with humility. Okay? I thought I did. But thinking you are and doing it two totally different things, right? So my back was wide open. And those closest to me were the ones who decided to go to the federal government and say I hadn't paid my taxes. Now, for whatever reason, don't ask, I thought I could do that whenever I wanted. <laughs> Silly? Yes. Ridiculous? Yes. Did I do it? Yes. So I had 2006, 7, and 8. This was 2010. Actually, this was 2014. So I had paid my taxes 11 through 14, but not 6, 7, and 8. And I just kind of thought, hmm. I'll get to them. It's not that I won't get to them. My intention was to pay them. I was moving too fast 
for my own good. And I was enjoying every bit of my life for my own good. My foundation was built on sand. But when I got indicted, I didn't realize that because my intention was pure. But when your intention is pure and your actions aren't, it's not authentic, right? Because your actions have to speak with who you truly are. And I was having fun. And I was big time, right? I was with the athletes and TV and I was too busy flying here and there. And my foundation was terrible. And I fired three bookkeepers trying to figure out my foundation. And again, those closest to me got in trouble for taxes. So when the government came for them, guess what they did? So I was friends with Blessings at this time, and I was in, a, uh, I was in L.A., the um, Giants were playing the Dodgers, and I had no clue this was coming down the pipeline. And I'm calling my staff. No one's answering. I worked out of my house. I had four people that worked for me at the time, and then I had 150 agents across the United States. But my core group was four out of my house. No one's answering. Now, it's like 9 o'clock. They need to be working, right? So I call my neighbor, and I say, is anyone at my house working? And she said, are you not home? I said, no. She said, there's 13 IRS vehicles in front of your house, and your house just got raided. They have guns on your dogs. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what? They, what, what? they had guns on my dogs. Obviously, owning bulls and dogs, those are my passions, right? What do you do? I mean, literally. I've never been in trouble. I've never been to jail. I've never done drugs. I've... What do you do? So, a girl that I went to high school with was my business attorney. She wasn't a criminal attorney. She was my business attorney. And I called her, and she was like, do you want me to go over there? And I'm like, well, I'm in L.A. So I went to the bank and withdrew $10,000. Because what are we all taught? Anything under $10,000, no big deal, right? Mm, Not when you're in trouble. So I just wanted some money because I didn't know what was going to happen, right? So... She calls an attorney friend of hers. He calls me. I'm sitting literally in a hotel room, in a dark room, because the gentleman that I was dating at the time, I didn't want to wake him up. My life is crumbling, and I'm worried about waking this man up. Like, what? So I talked to the other attorney. Um, He goes to look at their search warrant. It's valid. I get in my car and I start driving home. I have no idea what I'm going to go home to. I don't know if my dogs are alive. I know nothing. Um, I'm going to make you laugh here. When the government comes for you, 
it does not matter. They're going to find a thousand things. None of them could be true, but they're going to find them. So I had been to Israel and I had been to the Dead Sea and I had brought home some salt from the Dead Sea and it was in a plastic bag. So, my assistant was there dealing with all of this. And they pull out the baggie and they said, this is crack. And Brenna starts laughing and says, Tanya's never even smoked weed. And they're like, this is crack. So, being the wonderfully humble person that I was at the time, I asked for my salt back from the feds when all this was over. And needless to say, I didn't get it. But... They find anything and everything. They destroyed my house. They sedated my dogs. Um, my, my big dog was never the same. Um, there were holes everywhere. I appreciate the police. I will be the first to say that. We need them. However, when you go home and the combination to your safe is sitting on top of the safe and they decide to open it with a crowbar, you gotta wonder what they're doing. Okay? So, I'm confused, I'm lost, and of course, I'm like, Father, help? Has anyone just not known what to pray but help? Right? My parents, my poor parents, I mean, had no clue what to do. Because I am their child too, right? And they're in Denver. This was insane. This was unbelievable. And this was definitely going away because they're wrong, right? (laughs) And I went through, even up to the day that I went to prison, which I'm going to tell you about, thinking that I wasn't going to go to prison. And I was in Bible college at this time, and I had an amazing pastor in Arizona. Great teacher, right? Last night, for those of you that were here, we got taught. It is so important that we learn the word, because the Lord will motivate us. We don't need to be motivated. We need to be taught. And I was being taught, and I thought... Okay, God, you've got this. They tell me to leave it at the cross. Wait, wait, wait. Let me pick it up for a minute. Right? Okay, 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 okay. I'm going to leave it at the cross. But it's not going my way, so let me pick it up again. Right? How often do we do that? Because I didn't know what leaving it at the cross meant. Because it sounds so good. But how do you leave something at the cross? How do you give it to God? I prayed fervently that this go away. Hmm. Because I wanted it my way. Right? My, I will never forget it. My dad, my mom and dad are there with me. And my dad said, take the plea. The plea was, I think, a year. I didn't take it, obviously. And they wanted me to plead to things I didn't do. And my mom looked at my dad and said, John, we have taught her 
to stand up for what she believes in her entire life, and now you are telling her to go admit that she did something that she didn't do. She can't. So I took it to trial. And the copious amount of lies that went on in that courtroom, I couldn't begin to tell you. It was so bad that there was a time I hired the, the head of the state bar in Arizona because I was getting out of this. I didn't do this. This was, they had hit me with, well, this is how good God is. I don't actually know all my charges, but they hit me with four. One of them was money laundering. One of them was structuring financial transactions for that $10,000 that I took out. Uh, and then willful failure to file. Because evasion is when you file and lie. When you just don't file, that's willful failure to file. I just willfully didn't file my taxes. So I am so confused in this trial. They are describing the witnesses up there who were in trouble with the government that they decided to give me up were literally contradicting themselves. Nothing made sense. How they would walk in my house, but you can't walk in my house that way. And how I had a car here, but that car, which was a, I think it was a 1924 Dodge, was actually at my dad's house in Colorado. Like, what is going on? Right? I remember looking at my attorney and saying, hey, you need to ask this question. I handed him a little piece of paper. And he said, no, 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 no. Burden of proof is on the government. And I said, ask that question, or I'm going to get up and I'm going to be in contempt, because I know the truth to this, and, and, and this isn't it. And he asked it, and he sat down, he goes, good job, that was a good question. Where am I? What is going on? And God, when are you going to show up? How many of us have felt like that? Knowing that he's right by your side all the time going, shh, quiet, Right? You want to keep picking that up or are you going to leave it at the foot of the cross? Because God will let us do what we want to do, right? Far enough until he pulls that harness back and sits you down, even if it's in a federal prison, right? So government's story made no sense. My attorney did a horrible job. And it comes to closing statements, and I'm thinking, you have got to be joking. We're at closing statements? Well, my attorney killed it. I don't know where he came from. I have no idea. But he did an excellent job at my closing statement. And I was like, okay, there's hope, right? We live on hope sometimes. The whole time, my pastor is saying, Tanya, it's going to be okay. And in my human brain, it's going to be okay means I am going to get acquitted, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to give this testimony for the Lord, and I'm going to give him all the credit, and this is going to be amazing, and I can't wait, right? Wrong. It's not how it went. Within 40 minutes, they called us back, which is never a good thing. And they found me guilty of willful failure to file, which I had already admitted I did. I mean, we can't say I didn't do it. I didn't pay my taxes. That was what it was. And they got me for, finan for structuring financial transactions because I took that $10,000 out. Everything else, they didn't get me on because it made no sense. 
But those two things in the federal government had enough points to put me behind bars for 12 years. Okay, well, still in my mind, I'm like, God's got this. We're good. So I go to eat lunch with my attorney after I am convicted. You have no idea what you're doing when you've never been in trouble. You just, like, you're just taking steps and you're clueless. I shared today that I hired someone to teach me how to dress and look in a courtroom. It was the worst darn thing I ever did in my life and I wish I could consult other people because they made me be so not me that I looked guilty before the trial even started. It was, it was horrible. And I had been on national TV. People had seen my persona. I am bubbly and up and like, right? And I was sitting in the courtroom like, I mean, it was awful, horrible. So even after, I hired an attorney in Denver and he said, we're gonna get you uh, an appeal. You're never going to prison. He said, okay. So I lived my life. I was still doing TV. I still owned my real estate company. We were still selling lots of houses. Everything was still going. Now you have between 45 and 60 days between trial and entry. And I was supposed to go to a camp. And, and I have never shared this. And I never thought I was going to prison. Even after I was guilty, God was going to come through. He's got this. Doesn't matter. You can't fool God. He knows your heart. I was begging. I wasn't believing. There's a difference. And... The Thursday before the Monday, I was supposed to report to camp. Attorney calls and says, we're well, going to have to go in for a couple days. Huh? And you're going to have to go in on Monday. <laughs> huh? Where am I going? You're going to camp in Arizona. Don't worry about it. There's no fences. You'll be all right. Okay. Call my mom and dad. Everybody flies out. We're trying to figure out, like, I mean, I have a big house. I have cars. I have, right? So I, I'm going to Airbnb this thing for, I'm, a, I'm not going to be out there very long. I'm not going to be in prison very long. I'm going to Airbnb my house. I, uh, my big dog had passed. I had my two girls that were also Connie Corsos at the time. And um, we got my house together. And Monday morning, everybody's there. Thank the Lord. And... I get a car, because we all take limos to prison, don't we? <laughs> I mean, like, what I learned, for goodness sake. So I get a limo so that we could all go together to prison. And I get a call, and I need to report at noon. And I get a call at 10 o'clock. And everything in my soul told me to ignore it. But I was trying to do the right thing. So I answered it. And they said, hey, you have to go downtown to get your ankle bracelet take, taken off because I was a massive flight risk, right? I didn't even know what was going on. I was not going anywhere. But they put an ankle monitor on me. So I had to go downtown to get the ankle monitor taken off before I went up on my 40-minute jaunt to prison. So we were at Cracker Barrel, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do this the right way. And, and, and everything in my soul said, 
go to prison, go to prison. You know, when the Lord is telling you to do things, listen. Oftentimes we don't listen. And so um, we went downtown where I was supposed to take my ankle monitor off. And my dad said, we better all go in. And I'm thinking, no, 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 I'm going, to, I'm going to get this taken off, I'll be right back. He's like, nope, we're all going in. So it's my brother and my sister, my boyfriend at the time, my mom and my dad. And they sit us in a room, it's about 11.30. At the courthouse in Arizona, this is all glass. And these are the offices, right? So we go into the office, lady waits until 12.15, and uh, she says, okay, come on, we're going to take your income monitor off. I said, okay. So I go sit back there. I have my wallet and my phone on my lap. Wallet had $700 in it because I wanted to put $300 on my books and I had a $400 court fine. And they take off my ankle monitor. There's a gentleman in front of me, a gentleman behind me, the lady at the door. I think that was it at the time. And my wallet's on my lap. And she said, okay, come on, you're going into custody. And I said, I mean, this was the dumbest thing. I had no rights at this point, but you think you do, (laughs) right? So I said, oh, no, 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 no. I talked to officer, whatever his name is, at the prison. I told him I need to get my ankle monitor taken off, and he knows I'm on my way. And she said, I don't give an F. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did this just get hostile? What? What is going on right now? Right? Like, literally, this is what's going through my head. And these are probably 10 to 15 second intervals, but you're literally like, huh? Like, did I just get talked to like that? Okay, all right, well. I said, okay. So I sat there for a minute. My sister had walked by the glass, remember. She kind of didn't have a good feeling. She was going to the bathroom because it was way too long that I had been back there, right? And so I said, well, can I tell my family goodbye? And she said, no, you had 45 days to tell your family goodbye. I was like, oh, this is going bad. Okay. I said, okay. So now I'm thinking, they're going to take me and I don't even get to tell my family goodbye. Right? So I sit there and they're like, get up. And I sit there. And my sister starts to walk by and she's walking really slow. And I said, can you please get my paperwork? Because I have an appeals case going on and I was told I could bring my paperwork in. And she goes, you don't get it. You're not making any rules. And at that time, the gentleman in front of me jumped on me. And my sister pulled out her phone. Thank goodness. And they beat me up so bad. And my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister are banging on the glass. And they arrest my mother for disorderly conduct. Like, are you kidding? I'm going to prison. I'm not bucking the system. I'm not going anywhere. I am willfully here. Why are you arresting my mother? Like, what is going on? Right? And I'm in the jail cell at this point. And they want to interview me, and I'm thinking, you are crazy. We are not doing this, 
right? So I hear my mom screaming in the jail cell. So I'm thinking, you got, now I don't know that they arrested her because I'm behind everything. And I hear her in the jail screaming and I am like, mom, I'm fine. Stop, I'm fine. And they take her to interview her, and I can see her, but it, it's not like the movies where, like, here are the jail, here are the bars, and, like, they're walking right here. Like, I'm in a room in a cell, right? So she's walking outside of that room. And my mom, never being in trouble, talked to them. And then they came in to get me, and I'm like, oh, oh no, I only need to do this once. Get my attorney, and then we'll talk. Long story short on that, they tried to hit me with me assaulting a federal officer. And because my wonderful sister had that video, I am right-handed. My hand was here in the video. I was shielding my face. If I was assaulting them, I would have been punching with my right hand. I was protecting myself. And that's what got me off that. But had it not been for that video and a good attorney, they would have tried to hit me with something else. And so I'm back there and I'm thinking, get me to camp, good night, right? Like just get me to camp. And then they come in and they say, you can't go to camp because we're investigating this situation. You gotta go to a medium. <laughs> Whatever. I don't even know what that means. Like, literally. I have no clue what that means, but it sounds good. Take me there. But first, there is no solitary confinement in camp, so you got to go to county. <laughs> huh? Like, I don't know what that means, right? The lady picks me up and she says, I am so sorry I have to do this to you. This is the grossest place you're ever going to be in your entire life. Great. And it was. It was disgusting. But I'm in there, and I'm on a top bunk, and I'll give you two quick stories in county. Um, this big woman comes up to me, and I'm like, oh God, please not like the movies. <laughs> right? Like, am I about to get in, like, just beat up, right? And I have bruises everywhere. And uh, she says, are you Tanya? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is gonna be ugly. I said, yes. She said, you helped my brother make a lot of money. He plays football. If you need anything, I got you. Right? Okay. Thank you. Right? And a heartbreaking story. Now, mind you, I didn't grow up with money, but I was bound and determined to make it. And I did. And I grew up blessed. I grew up with a good family. I had never seen drugs, or real drugs, right? Or, I don't want to say poverty, but pain like you see in county. And I'm sitting there. Now, these girls are creative. I will give it to them. There is some talent in prison that you don't realize. But um, I'm sitting on my top bunk, and all I can do is read books. And I, and I don't know that I'm only going to be in county for 20 days. I don't know what's going on, and neither do they at this point, because they're trying to figure out whether or not they're going to hit me with that other charge. And this girl had made a mirror out of a hair gel, the round hair gel 
cups, and she had put a cereal wrapper that looked like tin on it and rubber band it so that she could see herself. And she started crying, and she was a young girl, 20s, maybe. And I said, are you okay? She said, I'm beautiful. I've never seen myself sober. (sighs) Broke my heart. Like, this girl didn't realize that she was beautiful, right? She had lived such a terrible life that looking in a cereal wrapper, she realized that she was beautiful. And I don't know where that girl is today, but that story will stay with me forever. And so we talked at that point, and it was good. And so I get transported to California, and um, I still think I'm, <laughs> I'm getting out, right? They gave me four years is what I ended up getting. And all the while, I am praying. God's got it. I don't understand it. But now... I have laid it at the foot of the cross because I get it now. (laughs) Whatever happens, God's got it. It doesn't have to be my way. It doesn't have to be what I want because that might not have been the best path. It's God's way. And at that point in my life, he needed to sit me down I needed to cocoon, and I needed to get quiet. And I wasn't going to be able to do that on HGTV or Fox News or CNN or CNBC or in the NFL. God said, "Uh, uh, 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 okay, we've had enough. Right? And that's what God will do when you don't listen. And he did it to me. And every day that I was in prison, I tried to find a way to better others. And so I created uh, a certification course for girls to be able to do their, get their weightlifting trainer certificate. And we certified over 50 girls while I was there. And I created a course where they could become baristas. And so the uh, warden went out and bought this great coffee machine. So we got good coffee in prison. (laughs) Um, And I taught them how to be baristas. And I taught classes on decision-making, and I taught classes on um, who are you, right? Who are you? And the warden came to me one day, before the warden came to me, my, you have a case manager and a counselor. Counselor's going to help you with anything in prison. Case manager is going to help you get out. My case manager came to me and said, I don't get it. Well, me neither, so hit me with your best shot. She said, what's your restitution? I said, nothing. She said, why? I said, I paid it before I came in. She said, what did the government take? I said, nothing. She's like, no, no, like your house, cars, what'd they take? And I was like, nothing. She said, why? I said, because I paid my taxes before I came in. She said, I don't get it. I said, I don't get it either. She said, let me see what I could do. I said, okay. Now... Those in the prison system, working in the prison, they have no authority to get you out. That is the court system. Zero authority. But you can do things to minimize your time. And so they gave me credit for teaching all that I taught. And the warden came to me one day and he said, I've read your entire case. Help me understand it. He said, I can't. 
And by this time, I had learned to take responsibility and say, I didn't pay my taxes, right? Because before, I still at this point in my life don't think that the punishment fit the crime. But I am now adult and humble enough to say I did something wrong. I should have paid my taxes, right? And so the warden said, (laughs) have you ever done drugs? And I'm thinking, no. Maybe. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to answer here. He's like, have you drank alcohol? I said, yes. He said, great, I'm going to put you in a drug rehab program, and you'll be out in less than a year. So I did the drug rehab program, which was one of the best programs I've ever done in my entire life for someone who's never done drugs, right? Um, but it taught me to take responsibility and to do things and to walk according to my talk and to be authentic. And it is one of the things to me today that is so important is authenticity. Because we can all walk in those doors and smile and tell everybody how great our lives are. But on the inside, we could be breaking. And that's what your church family is for, is to lift you up and pray for you and make sure that if you do break, they're going to help you put it back together. Right? And so I got out in 16 months and um, I didn't quit and they didn't break me. And I was going to go out and I was going to show them that I could do it all over again. Now I couldn't do it in real estate, um, but I was going to do it correctly. So my taxes are paid before April now. I will tell you that. (laughs) Um, The cutting corners is not worth it. TV's not worth it. The fame's not worth it. Who was I trying to prove anything to? I really only needed to be proving anything to me. I needed to be humble and grateful for all that God gave me. Right? And so I got out and I had a book deal and I turned it down because I needed to heal. I needed to still stay quiet. And I told Pastor Angie, and I'll tell you guys because it's pretty funny. I had this great idea that I was going to get out of prison, and I was going to see my mom, and it was going to be amazing, and like, you know, everything was going to, in my head, it was all going to be great. And I got out of prison, and they wouldn't let my mom in the parking lot, and I was walking around the parking lot. Finally, I sat down on a bench because I still couldn't find my mom, and you don't have a cell phone, so you can't call her. And all my ooh-wee moment just went out the window, and I finally saw my mom, and I got in the car, and we went to McDonald's. (laughs) But isn't that how life is? We think it needs to be these big moments. It needs to be an authentic one step in front of the other, right? And so I want, and I know we're going to do a little Q&A, and I'm sure there's a thousand things that I've forgot that we've all talked about, Um, but I want to do this very quickly. I want to give you a couple of scriptures um, with emotions associated with power, right? So I'm going to give you some ideas and then some scriptures to back it up. One of the best ways, so really quickly by a show of hands, that old saying, would you rather be loved or feared? 
Who would rather be loved? Who would rather be feared? Honestly, who would rather be feared? Right? Well, I was the person that wanted to be feared because I liked power. I liked to be on top of the world. I don't ever want to be feared. I want to be loved. Because when I'm loved, people will do for you more than anything. They're not doing it because they have to or because as soon as they get the chance, they can stab you in the back. They're doing it because they love you. I don't need to be feared. I want to be loved. Right? So... First thing is show love and warmth, right? That's the first way that you can gain power over anything, is show love and warmth. I mean, love is the greatest thing that you could ever understand. God loves us, right? So through all of this turmoil where I thought it was going to come out different, he was right there with his arms around me, right? I may not have understood it, but he was right there with his arms around me. So 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you do, all that you do be done in love. All that you do be done in love. That's powerful, right? Secondly, show gratitude and appreciation. I mean, I am so grateful for the cross. Makes me want to cry. That isn't a sad moment to me. I am so grateful that I have eternal life with him on streets of gold in mansions. Everything in this world is momentary. It will pass. Show gratitude, right? Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right? Give thanks. Number three, develop a passion and become excited about it. God wants us passionate about him, right? He's passionate about us. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord, You will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord. Wow. Why do I, why did I try so hard here? The Lord has blessed me more since I have been out than I could have ever imagined. I was able to teach and share with girls who may have never heard the word may have never heard I love you, may have never heard you're pretty awesome. Sometimes people have never heard that, where I heard it every day of my life. So for me, able, for me to be able to feed that back to them was natural, right? So feed your determinations. Practice godly confidence, not arrogance. Godly confidence, right? That's really, really 
powerful. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Wow. Power, love, sound mind, peace. Right? I went through all of that. And I'm great. I have an amazing life. I have an amazing family. I have an amazing man. I am so blessed. I am so blessed that I went through what I went through. Even in the midst of the storm, when I could not see that the sitting down was for my own good, in retrospect, I can look back and say, wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for not allowing me to continue to be that person who did everything in the world and altruistically, it was all right, right? Thank you, Father. Thank you for the authenticity. Thank you for the humility. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Right? And lastly, share cheerfulness. Proverbs Oh, no, I do have one more. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good. Like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. I want a merry heart. I want, I want a merry heart in all I do. That does not mean that I am not going to go through turmoil and that life doesn't get hard because it does. And that is okay. Keep going. Right? Lastly, contribute your gifts. God has given us all gifts. And my gifts may not be your gifts. And your gifts may not be your neighbor's gifts. But he has given us gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the marigold of, I'm sorry, of the manifold grace of God. Thank God for his grace. Thank God he was willing to go through all of that turmoil for me so that I can have eternal life. Wow. Right? And we all know that because we're of the same faith and we get it. But what about all those people who don't know it? He died for them too. He died for those girls that were on heroin in prison. He died, I mean, I heard that, so being the one who had never been in trouble, I asked all the things that you're not supposed to ask. There's all these rules in prison. I broke every last one of them. What are you in here for? Right? And they tell you because it is what it is. And you know who you can talk to and who you shouldn't. But wow, had I already lived a blessed life that I was so grateful for, but I had to see the other side. I had to. Right? I just, when someone asks me who I am, I am an overcomer through Christ. I'm not quitting. I'm not done. I told Angie. I have had people ask me for my testimony for, I got out in 2016, so I guess what, six years now? 
When I talked to them and when blessings brought me in, all I could hear in my spirit is get off the bench. Amen. <sighs> okay, God, get off the bench. I've never sat the bench in my life. Get off the bench. Healing is one thing. Not sharing and not helping others is a complete another. And it was time for me to get off the bench. So thank you for helping me get off the bench. <laughs> we, we didn't talk about my bulls, but it's really okay. <laughs> okay, so I have to tell you, my life is amazing. Um, I own bucking bulls. These are really my bulls. Like, I get up there. I don't know if I'm up there in this one. I might be. Can't see it. Am I? Okay. Oh, so, so this is my baby, slinging BBs, because his dad was slinging guns. And this is really how high he jumps. And these are PBR events, so pro bull, pro, pro bull riding events. And we train these bulls, and we're with them every day, and we go out and we feed them, and... Um, this is what they do. They're bred to do this. And all those rumors that you all think about how they buck, they're not true. Just so you know, they're not true. Um, but they are literally bred to do this. And so I love this. I have two dogs and 34 bulls. <laughs> they, they are amazing. Um, that's Sling and BBs. So these are all PBR events. Oh, that is my brother. So again, I said earlier, and, and I know we'll get to the video of the bulls, but um, I have an amazing family. My brother and I just got back from Dubai. We were at a concrete conference because now I own concrete plants and bulls. And um, I didn't know a thing about concrete. But just like I did in the real estate industry, I dove in. I learned it. I love it. It's hard work, but I do love it. So we are going on our fourth concrete plant. And my brother and I work together every day. Um, that's our concrete. And we go out and we build. And then you get to drive by something and you're like, that's my concrete. <laughs> right? Um, this is my nephew. My brother and my sister have kids. I do not. Um, so I get to play with them. And I'm the favorite aunt. And we get to go ski and, and do the most enjoyable things. I'm back in Colorado. Um, I am 10 minutes from my mom and two minutes from my sister. And my brother goes back and forth because he has a son in college. So this is my mother. And we um, were able to buy her a place in Mexico last year. So this is in Mexico. And she's down there right now. And I hope she's watching because she is the one who prayed for me in the womb. And I am grateful for a good mother. Amen. Right? Uh, let's see. This is my nephew. And he has had turmoil that he has overcome too. And again, I will repeat it. Life is good. It's not easy. And those are different things. And you keep going. Because it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. It will pass. Right? This is my significant other. He is a wonderful man, and I dated all the bad ones. So single ladies in here, don't worry about it, because I got all the bad ones before I met Blake. <laughs> he is amazing, and he loves me, and it is beautiful, and I appreciate him, and I appreciate his goodness, and that is, it feels so good to say that, and I just, I'm so grateful. 
Um, this is Jamarcus Russell. So I don't know if you guys are football fans, but he was a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders when the Raiders were still in Oakland. And I did his home. This was me running the New York Marathon. So this was um, the celebrity runners situation. And I think we have one video of my bulls. If you want to go ahead and play that. So that is me in the white shirt with the black hat. <laughs> and it is rare that a woman owns bulls. So you put the rope around their flank. <laughs> I didn't hear him at all. I was in zone. Yeah, those three bulls are owned by that lady back there in the white shirt. So I was I was telling them last night my bulls get a pep talk and they get prayed over. And I don't care who thinks I'm crazy. I go give them a pep talk and I tell them how good they're going to do and I pray over them for safety and protection. Right? So that is my thing. I, I was trying to find a way to name my ranch something with a double P, but it just didn't come out well and I said no. Right? But I pray over them and they get a pep talk. But I encourage each of you, if you're going through something, keep going. I didn't know when mine was going to end and I definitely didn't think it was going to end like it did. But my life is amazing. Right? God did good things with my story. God set me upon solid ground. My house is no longer built on sand. Right? And so I just want to encourage each of you to be overcomers. Because you can. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> wow, we yeah. have some Q&As. Were you blessed? I think that we're going to be using that word blessings for a while. <laughs> what a, honey? You, thank you so much. Oh, she's a sweetie. She's on our Wednesday night Bible study, and she's been faithful. Yeah. So some it. of you who don't, don't join us, please join us. She's and there's it. no excuses because I have a five o'clock call with my staff every day oh. and I am on Bible study by 5.30 Colorado time. Oh. Okay. <laughs> wow. Now tell us about your grandfather in Las Vegas. Okay. That was interesting. <laughs> so my mom's dad, um, he was one of the original five owners of the Sands and he sold his part in the sands and, and he opened the castaways, which is now where Bally's is. And then he had an opportunity to own a casino in the Bahamas and he turned it down because he didn't want that uh, stigma on my mom growing up and her brother growing up, my uncle growing up. So he got into real estate. So I have had a, a family of let's go do it from the very beginning. 
What about Elvis? <laughs> oh, yes. Listen Elvis Presley this. called my mother for her 16th birthday and wished her a happy birthday. So, yes. yes. I'm going to have to bring my mom out. But, yes, she, it, I mean, she, she said that she picked up the phone, and he was like, Sharon? Oh. <laughs> she, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. Yes, this is Elvis Presley. I just want to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you, Mr. Presley. Thank you, Mr. Presley. What <laughs> so about the Rat Pack? That, the Rat Pack was family friends of my grandfather. Do you and, know who the Rat Pack is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right? And um, I was too young, but they were around all the time. So, yeah, I mean, he was, he was the man. So when we were young, we would go to Las Vegas um, in the summers to see my grandparents. And we would walk through the casinos, and they would, like, just usher us through because it was, you know, Mr. Icovetto's grandkids. But I have Italian heritage on my mom and my dad. Ooh, so double. there's no temper in me at all because God has taken it away. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'd like blessings to come up for a moment. You have been friends. When you were in prison, who visited you? So it was very interesting. Um, I had a very tight-knit group of friends in Arizona, and they supported me through my trial. That was easy because it was there, right? My mom came, flew from Colorado to um, California every single weekend for 16 months wow. to see me. And Blessings was my only friend... That came Aww. and saw me in prison. <laughs> and what I was appreciate that like? her. Um, I think it was a little bit difficult because when you're in the, I'm sorry, when you're in the baseball world, um, everybody knows your business. And so, as you can imagine, <clears throat> the scandal um, and the gossip and the juicy steak that everybody <laughs> was having over conversation regarding her life. And I remained abs an absentee participant in that I was present, but I wasn't talking. I was praying for her. And um, there was, you know, all kinds of judgment being passed on her, but very, very few people knew what was really going on in her life. Very few people understood the suffering that she had been going through. Um, and it wasn't my position to then try to vocalize that on her behalf. I just remained faithful a friend. Um, and Everyone. so there was opposition. There was a lot of opposition. Oh, you still hang with her? Isn't she um, indicted? Isn't she? I mean, she's doing jail. Like, yeah, but as I said earlier, you know, Jesus reminded us the least of these that you do not do for, you've done also to me. Mm, and it didn't matter that she was a millionaire. She was at her lowest point. And she needed a friend. Not, not saying that Jesus alone, right? Because sometimes we want to see the flesh. We want to be able to say, okay, someone's with you. me. And yes. I love you. And so I showed up for her despite the scorn. Yeah. I gave up my weekends to come hang out with her and I love her and I showed up in a way that very few people did for her because I knew from my own experience when my father died she she showed up she was like I shared a little bit earlier she was in an abusive relationship and um 
this was the final straw and she showed up to my home with strangulation marks and a black eye and wounds all over her body. She didn't mention a single word. She got to work helping me write my eulogy, coordinating the music, helping me pick pictures while my father had just been carried away in a, what do you call those things? Uh, mortuary, the, mor- the hearse, but it's, it's the county when they bring the coroner. Yes, the coroner had just left and she had just arrived. And like I shared earlier, that is the quality of being a Christian. It's not being sanctimonious and being able to repeat scripture and uh, beat up on the downtrodden. It's showing up despite their ignorance of the law and getting caught for it. And it's being loving and extending it and having the same humility Jesus did. So Pastor C.A. last night was saying how, you know, God will keep speaking to you and he'll just keep turning up the fire. He'll keep yelling at you. And we are two examples of this. Our stubbornness kept us entrenched and trapped in a cycle, a vicious cycle of just money, uh, society, throwing elaborate parties, you know, uh, getting everything the world could afford us. And it wasn't that we were money hungry. We were just caught in a cycle. We didn't understand. We were young. I mean, you think about it. I mean, we're still young. We were young kids given millions and millions. And we thought we were humble. But we got caught. But we didn't stay caught. Amen. We surrendered and God gave us another chance of being called his child. Mm -hmm. So we're blessed, and I will never turn from you. You know, I love you. I love you, <laughs> like a sister. I have yes. one thing. Um, I was talking to your sisters last night, and they yeah. were like, please share this. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> one of the things that I taught was, um, you have to know who you are, right? We started with that. And I would put pieces of paper out on the table that had all these words on them that were important, and I'd make people go from 100 pieces of paper down to six. And anyone who knew me knew that God would be number one and everything else would be behind that. And yet when I did my little pieces of paper, I put loyalty before God because you have to be loyal to what you believe in. And that was my justification. And nothing is before God. But my, my word of loyalty came before because he has been so loyal to me. Oh, yeah. I need to be that loyal back to him. Praise the Lord. Now, blessings real quickly. You and your children, I want you to share how you are raising your children. So, like I said, um, I was kind of superficial in uh, giving my my children um, access to God. You know, of course, I gave them scriptures. They had Bibles in their bedrooms. And they graduated from like the coloring, the colored uh, photos and the uh, caricatures to actual text. And from there, you know, I had them learning scripture and things of that nature. But I wasn't modeling uh, being a Christian, really. I was I was indoctrinating them into materialism. And there's this there's this um, this rampant uh, belief that, you know, back in the back in the day, they used to call it keeping up with the Joneses. 
And now they call it keeping up with maybe the Chinese or the Indians because their children, they don't get to play, they don't get to be kids. Their extracurricular is more math. Their extracurricular is more science. And so we got caught in this rat race against them. Who is them? And they're caught in the same rat race against us. Who is us? And even though I wasn't quite able to put my finger on it yet, we were putting our kids, we were, we were putting them in these, what I call baby Stanfords, where you're paying a grip, I mean, too much money to just learn the ABCs because you're thinking you're going to give them an edge up on the competition. And finally, you know, I woke up and I said, this, this is all wrong. These kids need to be children. You know, they need access to, to just figuring things out, time and nature, you know. And, um, and when COVID hit, you know, like I shared earlier, it wasn't about just my salvation. This was, this was a family thing for me. Um, because the Bible and, and Ellen White shares with us, we are God for our children. We are the next, we are the, the representation of God on earth for our children, And so they learn how to be lovers of Christ through us. And if we fail, then we've failed them infinitely. Uh, This is the biggest work a parent has to do. I don't care what you believe. If you don't give them this connection with God, then I don't know. There's just nothing else I, I, I have to say. And so... Along our path as being parents, you know, we didn't realize that we had a genetic mutation. So we have one bad copy of what's called MTFHR. And MTFHR, I cannot say it for you. It's a methyl la And basically all it is is um, it's a genetic mutation in which you do not detox very well. You're not able to detox uh, things that you intake. But we, we didn't know this. And so my daughter ended up with uh, one bad copy. And so when we started the vaccination processes, which were required in order to send her to school, these expensive schools, she went from benchmarking ahead to slowly uh, regressing. So when she was, you know, before she could talk, I taught her sign language. And before we knew it, she couldn't speak anymore. She couldn't make eye contact. She had drainage coming out of her orifices. She had a foul, rank smell on her tongue. We didn't know what was going on. And it turned out, because she had this genetic mutation, she wasn't able to detox her body from the the aluminums and the things that they put in vaccines. Um, And again, this isn't, like, uh, vaccination is a personal choice. But I will say, get your kids tested so you know whether you're going to harm them ultimately or not know what you're doing. And we didn't know. And when we figured it out, we went to this uh, amazing doctor in, in Florida, and Dr. David Berger, and um, he, he explained everything. He said, you need to get on this, this detox for her because she can't do it for herself. So there were a lot of uh, things that the Bible actually tells us we need to be doing, which is um, not eating processed foods, you know, going green, eating food from the earth. And uh, during COVID, uh, my niece and I uh, purchased a five DVD set. uh, uh, What was it called by Scott Ritzma? Media on the Brain. And in that, 
he said, I'm going to present to you facts that even atheists have put out. And so I said, okay, this is interesting. What is this? And he said, reading the Bible just 10 minutes a day will increase your IQ. And at the time, my daughter, she's very bright. So when they tested her, her IQ is near genius. But she wasn't able to put it together because of all the toxins in her body. So I said, okay, Lord, I heard the message. I'm going to do it. And they loved Doug Batchelor, and they used to watch all his programs for children. And there was an adventure Bible, so I said, I'm going to get that because it's colorful. It's on their level. They're going to love it. So their prescription was 10 minutes a day, she and her brother. Now, this is a child who um, I videotaped doing homework. And it would take us 25 minutes to do one math problem. When before this had happened, her kindergarten teacher said to me, you need to get this girl in some other kind of school because she's the only kid in 22 years that took a math test with 100 problems and gave it back to me with exactly 50 of them unanswered. And when I asked her why she did that, she said, because you just reversed the numbers. They're the same answers. Kindergarten. So when she was uh, harmed by this, she had lost all of this ability. And I started with 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes increased to 15, 15 to 20, 20 to 25, and then 30. Within one year, she was able to process information. She was able to get through her homework. Her vocabulary increased. Um, Her ability to get her um, uh, sentences through to communicate. She had found joy back in her life. She was returning to the child that she had been prior to the injury. And so it's not an unreal God that we serve. It is not um, a fake testimony. Everything that you read there is for our proof, right? Reproof for, for our correction, for our understanding, for our wisdom. It is help no matter what you're going through, the Bible is our manual for sanctified living. And so I encourage parents to do the same with their children. Don't overlook the power of scripture, no matter how little or how old someone is in your life. And if you have someone who's dying, go with them. Read the scripture to them. Because the last thing that they lose is their sense of hearing. And if you can save, again, if you can save a soul and not just a body, you've done your work. So that's my share in parenting. Boy, this is beautiful. Anyone have questions? For either one of them. They said they are open to questions. They're open book, yeah. And you told me that too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When your life is that public, you're an open book. (laughs) (laughs) any questions stand say it ask it any questions about prison yeah (laughs) yes
When you went into the actual prison system out of county, how long did it take you to realize this is real? And how did you react? <clears throat> that is so interesting. And God has healed so much of my pain that sometimes I have to think about what I felt because I no longer feel that. Hmm. Um, I will not forget when they... I don't know if it was when I got indicted, but the first time they took me in for three days, I had a Karma Fisker. Do you guys even know what that is? Right? It was a car. They only made 1,200 of them. And um, <clears throat> I just got back from Greece, and my, the guy who watched my dogs, because my big dog was in a wheelchair at the time, he said... Um, Tanya, the feds were just here to arrest you. It's like 6 o'clock in the morning. I just got off TV. I literally flew home from Greece. I went and did TV, and I was on my way home. And I said, what? And he's like, seriously, the feds were just here. I thought he was calling to tell me my dog passed, because it was too early for him to be calling me. And so I called my attorney, because none of this is real, right? So I called my attorney, and I drove my car down to his parking lot, because I didn't know what else to do, and I didn't wasn't going anywhere without my dog, so I was thinking I'd go to Colorado, but that would be all bad. I mean, there's so many things that go through your head, right? So I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I called my attorney at the time, and I said, hey, what do I do? And he said, hang tight. It's six o'clock in the morning. He said, hang tight. I said, okay. Called him at 11, didn't answer. Called him at 12, he didn't answer. Now, I could have walked upstairs, but what I was afraid of is if I get out of my car, am I going to get arrested, Right? So I'm sitting in the parking lot in my car. I have no clue what to do. And he said, calls me at 2 o'clock. He said, come on, we're going to go turn you in and you'll be out by 3. Like nothing my attorney's ever said happened. Wow. Should have got the picture, right? <laughs> so I said, okay. So take off my jewelry, leave it in the car, give him my car keys. And um, they send me to detention. And I was supposed to just go turn myself in, get booked and go home. And they send me to detention in Arizona. I am in, this is the answer to your question. I am in this van or bus shackled oh. with windows that are, you know, the grates. And I think it's like candid camera. Yeah. I am like, somebody is going to come out and be like, it was all a TV show. Go home. Right, right. Like there's nothing real about any of this. And so I get there, quiet as a mouse, because I, I just, I just want to go home, right? So I get there. I don't know how to use the phone. I don't know how to do anything. Um, get a bunk. The warden calls me down. This is at detention. And he says, here, here, put your hands like this. So he says, Tanya, are you okay? And I said, oh, I'm totally okay. Thank you. He said, you can't touch me. I said, I am so sorry. Okay. You don't know what you don't know. Right? I mean, I was just, that's who I am. I'm a hugger and a toucher and a, right? So I knew nothing. There was nothing real about it, even to the moment where I was in Dublin, California, in prison, and I'm waking up every day like, what am I going to go teach today? Yeah. Right? Because you're just strong and you're going to get through it. And there was never a moment where you're like, this is really happening. It hit me after I got out. 
It hit me after I thought I was going to have this big epiphany about getting out that I told you that didn't happen. And I'm sitting, my brother had bought the concrete plant prior to me getting out, and he, he was like, do you want to work there? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I thought I was going to go on a speaking tour. Little did I know I needed to heal before I could help others. Um, and I remember sitting in this trailer office like, God, what just happened? And he's like, I sat you down. Hmm. And sometimes that's all you can say. There was never, even every day in your walk, there's not a reality that like, I'm in prison. Like, I'm not going home. And I will tell you the one thing is, it's not like what you see on TV, at least by the grace of God, not where I was. We had bathrooms in our room, and I mean, the girls, I have two girls that I still talk to all the time, but the reality of what some people go through to get there is mind-blowing, and it made me so much grateful for my own life, and I remember running every day with this girl, and I'd be like, but you knew selling drugs was bad, like, because don't we all just know that selling drugs is bad? She's like, no, and I'm like, what do you mean, no, that's... uh, Yes, she did. And she's like, no, my mom did it. My dad did it. That's what she grew up with, right? She, this particular friend of mine, she saw her mom kill her brother. She saw her dad kill someone in their living room. This wasn't a movie. This was her real life, right? And that's where you just go, oh my gosh. And so my theories on prison and You know, I mean, I was the first to be like, well, if they're in prison, they did something wrong, Uh, right? Not having any understanding of what may or may not happen to people. And I said to her running one day, I said, I don't believe prison sentences should be longer than three years. I said, because you see things in prison and you're just like, this is so stupid, right? And I said, because... You know, you first come in and you got to understand you're in prison. And then you get acclimated. But then it becomes home. And that's bad. And she said, no, Tanya, you're wrong. And I was like, why? And she said, because I didn't change until year seven. What? If someone told me that I could authentically change in two days and get out, what do I need to do? How high do I need to jump in? Which direction? What do I need? What? Huh? Seven years to change? I guess we're all different. But she didn't change until year seven. And now she lives in Northern California. She's a teacher. She's awesome. But by the grace of God. So it never, until I got out and I could take some deep breaths in, in a safe environment, even though I didn't feel unsafe there, did I realize, oh, went to prison, you know? So I I know everyone is different, but for me, I don't know that it ever hit. It was always kind of like, am I filming a TV show? Because this is not happening. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Anyone else? Yes. Janelle, run back. Back, back. Come on, Janelle. Get your exercise, honey. Wow. I wonder what your first Christmas was like. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't, she said, what was your first Christmas like? So I got out in, um, I want to say April, and I couldn't leave my house, so I couldn't go to my family's, 
So everybody piled into my condo, and we had Thanksgiving in a two-bedroom condo with about nine or ten of us. <laughs> but you know what? You do what you got to do to be with your family, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Right here, Janelle. Thank you for sharing your testimony. It's very inspiring. Um, I think you mentioned that you hadn't shared your testimony since 2014. So I was curious how sharing it felt and if it was a healing or like a burden lifted or anything like that, if, if it was helpful for you. So I was um, telling Pastor John and Pastor Angie the other night, um, I am healed now. Amen. Right? I am healed. Yes. So I can speak about it without, oh my gosh, that happened. Right? But when you tell the truth, you never have to think about it again. Exactly. Yeah. Right? When you tell a lie, you always got to think about it in the future. Yes. My story is so what happened to me that I am, I didn't feel, um, I felt authentic. That is such a word for me right now. It was easy to tell because if it helps someone else, Mm. I'm okay now. I don't know that I could have told it four years ago. I think that there still would have been pain, but I truly have an amazing life. I don't have all the things that I used to have. I don't need them, right? I have other things that are really amazing. Um, The hardest part for me is I, and I, I have the video, I've watched it once, I will probably my entire life never watch it again, but I do have it. I can't imagine what my family went through watching me get beat up. Oh, yes. That breaks my heart. Yes. And I, I only watched it one time, and I never let anybody else in my family watch it. They had it, so I'm sure they watched it when I was in prison. I couldn't watch it because we didn't want the feds to have it until it was time. Um, but that broke my heart watching it, just hearing my mom scream and the helplessness of them not being able to do anything. And then the fact that they arrested her. Yes. Who are these people? It's my mother. Right? That was still difficult for me. And it will probably be difficult for my entire life. Mm. Because it hurt me to hurt her. Yes. That that was... (sighs) Katiana, this is Blessing's niece. Right here. Kati. Thank you guys for sharing. This question is for both of you. I know you touched a little bit upon about how prison changed some of the friendships and the way that you saw that. I'm just wondering, how are your friendships now and how do you minister to your friends that you've left behind and the lifestyles that you've left? Hmm. <laughs> um, they're not the same. I still have two people out of my group of probably 10 that I talk to in Arizona that I adore. Um, Lots of things changed our friendship, not just prison or them not necessarily being there for me, but also me realizing that there was a bunch of takers in my life. And when you have takers and less people are filling you than taking, what can you give back, right? And so my ability to walk away from those friendships and not miss them was very easy. Um, 
Blessings and I probably didn't talk for, what, two years, maybe? Or, or maybe once or whatever. But your, your true friendships, no matter what, I could not talk to her for another year. And when we pick up, right? Um, And so my true friends are still my true friends. And my family is just, I am forever grateful for my family. Yeah. I I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, there is a clearing away that happens. And it's not even something you did intentionally. The Lord just starts to work. And he separates the bramble from the fruit. And, um, I mean, I don't, you know, I still pray for every single one. Um, I'm still open. I'm still here. And I'm just more genuine than I was before. Um, This whole uh, experience has really made me understand why God named me. Or encourage my mother to name me. Can you please tell your full name? Oh, Lord. (laughs) So I used to have a joke, and I used to say, I don't tell people my middle name, you know. It'll cost you, you know. (laughs) But my mother uh, named me Blessings Adorable Merciful. And those are the, that's as far as I'm going to share because there's more to it. And so I remember the first person I told as an adult, he goes, oh my goodness, your mother must have been just so happy. She said, bless us, adorable, miss and, and I said, too far, too far. And then I decided I would never tell anyone anymore. But here I am. Um, but yeah, I think um, when I, when, when you're free from what you've done, um, you, you do go through a period of, will I be accepted? And you become fearful because what you're saying is so revolutionary. And it's not that it's new, it's just that you're practicing it. And um, so then I got uh, courage, and I, the more that I continued to study, I said, people need to know this because I would hate for, in judgment, them to turn around and say to me, you knew and I'm going to not be able to come with you because you didn't love me enough to tell me. And so I, I, I spread the good news. And it's amazing because some of those people are still stuck in wh- where I was before. So I don't give up on them. I just find another way to testify to them. And it's usually through my actions instead of bogging them down. What about with you shared with me about your yoga friends? How did you? Oh, so, you know, I tried to share with my yoga friends and of course they justify it and they go, girl, it's not that deep. You know, I'm just moving my body. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, okay. So then I try to just give them some, you know, uh, doctrine, support. They're so shut off because the flesh wants what it wants. And it isn't until you surrender that you accept truth and light and you transform. Um, So I I remember telling one person and I said, you know, I I retired from that. I don't do that anymore. And you trusted me to, you know, uh, instruct you in a class and you gave me so much praise. Well, I hope you'll give me even more for giving you God. And they said to me, you know, I'm on my own path with God. I think I'm good. And another person said to me, mm, I find you to be hypocritical. Mm. 
And another person to, said to me, uh, you kind of seem like you went a little off the, you know. <laughs> but it's amazing what we want is what we want. And so it, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, how many times have you looked in a mirror and been willing to lie to yourselves and still claim holiness? And, you know, I realized in, in all that I did, you know, um, I was living up to the standards of man. I was, I was more respectful toward man's law than I was God's law. And aside from having a prayer life and having Bibles in my house, I was no different than an atheist. Because I calibrated my decency according to what, what, what was, what's called do as thou wilt. And I followed my heart. And we all know, I shared this last night, we all know how deceitful the heart is. And as much as we might think, oh, but I feel this, you know, being a part of, of, of what God wants you to be, it, it's, it's beyond feelings. Because feelings go with the wind. They come and go. And if I'm temperamental and only feeling my, my Jesus, then it's very easy to be uh, misled. And this was about having beyond a shadow of a doubt about the word and about studying it. And the more that I studied it, I couldn't turn away from it. And so when the mirror hit me, I just had to fall back and die to self. And, and that death happens a lot more than I would care to admit sometimes, especially in relationship with, you know, the man that I love deeply. But, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to say one thing. Yeah. On all of this note, when God shuts a door, stop opening it. Yes. Right? He shuts them for our good, even if they hurt. Amen. And so every day I pray that God opens the doors that he wants open, but I have the wisdom to walk through them and that I never open a door that he has shut. And that I have the Holy Spirit guiding me to know the difference, Amen. right? And that was friends and people too. Yeah, and I will say, I told pastor, I said, I'm not gonna talk about my marriage life because I'm blessed. You, you, he's an amazing man. We just have different faith. Um, and we I told need him, you to keep him in your prayers. Please, please. And I said, I said, I'm not gonna talk about my marriage life because I'm an ugly crier. <laughs> I said, ooh, ooh, I'll be in there. <gasps> and he said, he looked at me, he said, I've never heard that before. <laughs> so forgive my vanity. And, and, but, but the spirit is moving me to, to speak to you about this. You know, some of you may have family. Um, you may be divided. Um, and what I learned through this whole process, you know, at first I was really angry and I was like, 
everybody else in this family is coming to Christ. Why aren't you coming with us? And then I try to hit him with scripture. And it was like, okay, well now you're just beating the man. Like you're beating him up. That's not gonna work. You're gonna push him away from God. And if I use Jesus as an example, he didn't do that. That wasn't his way. So then I talked to my older sister, Kati's mom, and she said to me, pray for his soul salvation. So then I tried that. But then my prayers were laced with all my issues. I was like, and God, he didn't come to church. And God, you know. And I was like, finally that mirror popped up again. And I was like, oh, (laughs) here I go again. It's about my flesh, right? And then... I kept praying on it, and um, God said to me, treat him like he's already saved. Mm. And that transformed my relationship. And so that's now the hope that I live through is that it's my actions and the Christ in me that'll convince him to go deeper, study the scriptures. Now, mind you, he's been a man of faith. When we were in all those different teams, He was in Sunday chapel every single day. I mean, Sunday. And that speaks to how powerful his discipleship would be if he took on the scripture for himself and started studying it. So um, when you ask about friendships, it's not just friends outside of your um, home. It's also the friends that you marry, the friends you give birth to, the friends that birthed you. And we have to do a better job of um, being disciplined and discipled in our worship and doing everything we can do to invite people to salvation. We've been to your home We've been, we met your husband, your mother, your in-laws, wonderful people. And she, after her baptism, we had a little party at your house. It was so nice. She had it catered, beautiful home. And you are a woman of God. And somebody said to me today, she's going to be speaking at women, women's, um, Events And I said, yes, but this was the first. Yes. <laughs> right? Here at 3ABN. Broke me in. Broke me in. <laughs> and, and I honestly, you know, there's been a lot going on in my life. And um, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful that they thought of me. I don't like being an ugly crier. I just say, <laughs> Girl, I can't help it, so bear with me. <laughs> But I was really touched that they would look to me and um, invite me to be with you guys. Like I said, I worshiped with you for a year straight, not knowing any of you. I did, however, hear John calling people out, and he'd be like, and Don, you hear what I'm saying? And, you know, (laughs) and I, I, I... Katiana used to, and I used to have a joke. We'd go, I wonder if they're falling asleep or something. And he's just calling them out in the church. <laughs> no. Anyway, so um, thank you for having us both here. Um, we're blessed by everything that you do as a community here. You guys, you're echoing the, the word everywhere all aclo- across the globe. And it's so worth it. And I, you know, 
what, what I thought of televangelism was uh, Tammy Faye. <laughs> no, I did. You know, and I was like, there's not a good preacher on any station, you know, and God made me repent from that. So praise the Lord for what you guys, Danny and Yvonne and D, all of you guys, every single member here, I may not know all of your names. Thank you for the Bible studies. Thank you for the broadcast. Thank you for the relentlessness. Thank you for the love, the joy, and this church in the wild that I found on YouTube <laughs> in the wilderness. Thank you, guys. It wasn't by accident. No. Thank That's you. Right. Praise right. God. Can we say amen? Praise amen. Wasn't this wonderful? <laughs> wow, Beautiful wow. What an people. What an evening. What an evening. I believe as we, we want, when we, you know, God is amazing. Uh, that's just, uh, that, that goes without saying. That goes without saying. And to thank you both for being willing. God got you out of the bench. God yes. got you off the bench. Yes, yeah, you first speaking. Thank you. Right. Thank you, all of you. And thank you for just taking me in. Aww. I appreciate that. And I want to qualify why I didn't answer to her for a year. Oh, yeah, answer. <laughs> because it was an email. See, I have my wife go through all my emails. So when I heard that, I'm, I need to connect her to my church email right. also I said that. because I don't even look at my emails I say honey go through my emails and um, help me to figure out what happened so when you sent that letter finally never that made a it. significant difference and I said how, how come I never saw this email mm-hmm. and I said I, I saw I blame her and, and she said and Angie said because it was at an, on an email that you didn't connect, connect me to so I need to connect Angie to my <laughs> TVSDAC <laughs> email you. also it worked out. God had a plan. Amen. He was telling me, I want you to do these 28, you know, found fundamentals. And by the time I got to 25, he said, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready to have access to one of my saints. And That's I was right. so, And um, so God is, God is moving in ways that we never, you know, we want to just always be open to God's leading. Always. That's it. And always. Um, I always call Thompsonville, the biggest little city in the world. Yes, it and is. And we say that with humility. You got a taste of it so, this uh, week. Yeah, and then Tanya, mm-hmm. thank you for allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Thank you. And I uh, just want to say, I think we can all agree, this is just the beginning. Absolutely. You know, for God yes. to allow you to come out. I know how um, when we met Blessings and met her husband, wonderful man. Yes. Uh, uh, he's a strong father. Yeah. And oh, yeah. he's, loves he's, his he loves his craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but oh, yeah. we have to understand everybody's got their own. God's yeah. got his own time yes. frame. Yes. We can't force anything. And I remember once, uh, Blessings called me and said, Now you, you need to help me with this situation. Because uh, <laughs> we talk all the I'm, time. I'm, I think I may be getting a little too religious for him. <laughs> yes. So I said, You need to, and that's what she said, You need to yes. love him like he's always, already saved. Yes. yes. And so it started turning things around. But you know, I said to Randy, we got to hang out. We might get Danny in the mix because Randy is a golfer and Danny likes to oh, golf. Oh, so. there you go. So. Now you're speaking his language. Yeah. <laughs> and I tease him because I'm like, I don't get it. Why do you uh, carry a stick and chase the ball on green grass looking for holes? I just, <laughs> it's not for me. Yeah. Got to get Danny included in that because he likes to golf. But uh, any other questions before we close tonight? Were you blessed? Yes. Okay, well, thank you, everyone. I'm going to close with prayer. So let's bow our heads and thank the Lord. Father in heaven, we just praise you and thank you for this wonderful time we had. 
We know it's Mother's Day weekend, and those of us that have mothers, let us appreciate them and just thank them for all that they've done for us. They are, they are wonderful. And Father, those of us that don't have mothers, Lord, we look forward to the great resurrection morning where we will see our mothers again. And we are so excited about that. Lord, I thank you for each of the ladies behind me and those that are not here. We know Jasmine Carter was a part of our team and she is not here right now. And I thank you for her and all the ladies behind me that worked diligently texting and and emailing and phone calls and FaceTime, just getting this Zoom time, just getting this all together. Lord, we couldn't have done it without you impressing these ladies to work together, press together. Thank you, Lord. And especially thank you for my two special ladies behind me, Blessings and Tanya. Lord, I ask that you will continue to guide them, strengthen them. You have a great work for these two ladies to do. So we just ask that your Holy Spirit will just empower them. And when those doors open, by your grace, to walk through it by faith, knowing that you have a plan for their lives. Bless their families always. And may we one day look forward to seeing you come in the clouds and say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for you. You have saved us. So thank you for hearing the prayer of faith. Now we ask that we all take us all home safely. And may we be maybe look forward to seeing each other again, hopefully Wednesday night. And thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.